here in America's backyard. Um, so, you know, look at, turn your Bibles with me if you would to Matthew chapter number 9. I'll watch the clock, I'll try to, try to preach quickly. But that last verse there in the chapter says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We need help. You know, you heard me give testimony about that yesterday. We need help. I, uh, as I'm just giving you testimony, I'm getting older. Um, I'm really burdened that I'm not going to be able to get done what I wish I could get done. Um, I'm trying to come up with new ideas of how to be more efficient, uh, to go more places. Um, between me and talk with some other people, there's actually another village in the interior that I could go to every month, but it would take me on the road for another, yet another day in conjunction with the five days that I'm already gone to go to that village. Um, man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm tired. Uh, I am. Um, I gave you the brief numbers yesterday about the, the travel that we did just in July alone. Um, it's like... You ready for this? 87 hours of just travel. That's just a lot of time to be on the road. And I, I prayed about settling down in one of the villages. I have. I've asked, Lord, would you, would you let me and my family move to Stevens Village? I get absolutely no peace about that because the Lord, the Holy Spirit, convicts my heart. Well, what about all these other towns that won't hear? And then a lot of those places that I went there in, in the month of July had nothing to do with our interior circuit. Um... I'm ecstatic that the Scalise family, you know, they've got a burden to reach families on the, on the road system. and be a blessing there. I guess, aside from that, what I'm trying to tell you is we, we need help, but I want to finish. I just want to stay, I want to stay all the way across the finish line. Uh, I'm just going to keep going. I don't, I don't have any desire to leave Alaska. Um, Whenever I do go on a trip to preach somewhere, um, I can't wait to get back. I can't. Um, I'm very thankful the Lord called us to serve here. Um, there's, there's a guy in the Philippines that wants me to come to the Philippines and preach. I'm like, brother, I don't, I don't want to leave America. You know, we were talking yesterday about a passport. I wish I didn't have one. So I could tell the guy I don't have a passport, but I can't tell him that would be a lie. Go to First uh, Kings chapter 17. First Kings chapter 17. I preached from this passage of Scripture as often as God would let me when I was on deputation. I haven't preached uh, it in a very long time. And I'm super nervous because this is, uh, this is a new Bible that I haven't preached out of before. I, I, I forgot my preaching Bible at home. I don't know about you guys, but I've got my favorite Bible I like to preach out of. I'll study, read out of, out of other Bibles, but this one that's got the, the thumbprints in there, the, the blood, sweat, tears, literally, um, it, throughout the pages, I, I just kind of, I can, I can just kind of feel where that scripture is, and I, want, I don't have any notes. I, it's, it, it's written in the margin, you know, and, and uh, so I'm, I'm kind of nervous about presenting this to you tonight, but it, I think it's, it's applicable, very applicable. Uh, Brother Farr hasn't ceased to, to talk to me about how excited he is that Pastor agreed to have an Alaska exclusive missions conference 
Uh, I've never seen it done before. I think it's absolutely amazing. This, this year's, you know, has absolutely been amazing. Watching the missionary wives over there fellowship and yesterday really blessed my heart. Uh, I've been out there to the Bush communities and, you know, a preacher will have me come out and work, have me come out and preach. And then I just see the wife there and I think, man, I wish I could have brought my wife out here. I wish I could have afforded to bring my whole family out here. Um, but those, uh, those ladies over there fellowshipping last night really blessed my heart. I took pictures. I, 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 just, I just sat and watched. I was just so excited to see, uh, see that going on there. But again, like I said, we need, we need laborers. We need help in the field. Um, I, I just ask you to, to consider this. Uh, Brother, Brother Elijah, I, I didn't rebuke him. I just enlightened him a little bit last evening. I said, you know, you said at least twice and not four times that you probably already know this, but... And I, I, we sat over there in the far corner of the gym, and I said, look across here. You've been, you and your family have been to more towns in Bush, Alaska than probably over half the congregation of our church. You, you've got more experience in Bush, Alaska living there than most people here that, that live on the road system. Um... And you saw the, the concentration of the, the yellow dots on that last map that, that Brother Sauter's put together there. It's, just, it's amazing to show how far spread out all of the villages are. And then you think, Brother Claypool, where he's at, Brother Ross, where he is, and these other preachers that are of like faith and practice, there's probably less than 15 of them in the entire Bush, Alaska. 250 villages off the road system. 100 villages don't even have 100 people in them. There's 99 villages that have less than 100 people. And those are the ones that I'm so burdened for, man. When Brother Josh Roach took me to Stevens Village the first time, it, it, it changed my life forever. Because like Jeremiah said in the book of Lamentations, my eye affected my heart. I, I, I could read about it. I read, it. I read the community review in the Anchorage Daily News. And you'd see a community profile back in the day. We had the hard copy of the ADM would come there. I would read about those communities and no road access. And just just burdened. You know, I'm, uh, Brother Carr, I just saw him uh, when I took Aaron down to Pensacola. He's still mad at me for not coming down there. But no, I'm just kidding. He, he's, uh, he's, always, he's always asked me how things are going. He loves coming to Alaska. Um, he, too, could stay busy on the road preaching. He's, he's a really good preacher. But he is just as content to preach to three people in Stevens Village as he is to 300 because he knows they need the gospel. And he knows that Christ died for those three people just as much as he did for you and for me. I'm going to read a few verses here. I'll pray. And I'll try to get through this fast. I'm watching the clock there, Joshua. Uh, I appreciate my son praying for the speaker tonight. I didn't know my name is Speaker, but I appreciate that. Uh, he's always timing whenever I preach, and uh, I'll, I'll try to go through this quickly. It's been a long week. Uh, I can't really add a whole lot more than what's already been explained, the burden that's been shared. Uh, last night, the question and answer was absolutely amazing. Uh, I really appreciated that. So in First uh, Kings chapter 17, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Here we have uh, Elijah, the first mention of him in the Bible. He goes to King Ahab and said, It's not going to rain until I say it is. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. 
Dear God, I pray that you please bless the preaching this evening. I pray, Father, that you please speak to every heart here. God, I pray that one that doesn't know who you are as their personal Savior, I pray that they would get that settled tonight. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that they would leave here different. I pray that all of us would leave here different than we came. That you'd be glorified in each thing that's said and done. In Christ's name, amen. So here we have, uh, we have Elijah coming on the scene. He, um, he takes a stand. He makes a decision. He's going to obey the Lord. He's going to go where he said. And where did he go? He went to the king's palace. You know, I, I thought about the, the back in the day, uh, I named my son Nathan. When he was uh, born, uh, <clears throat> I named him Nathan. Thinking about that passage of Scripture there where Samuel went to David in, in bonus, the king of Israel. He went to him and he said, he said this thing in his, face, in his face, said, Thou art the man. Man, what boldness. What boldness that guy had. And, and here we have Elijah. He goes up to the king. He goes and stands in the king's palace and he says, he says, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. He, he went where God told him to go. And then he says, go to the brook Cherith. He says that in verse number four, and it shall be that, it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. It's a very specific place that God wanted Elijah to go. He wanted him to go to the palace. He wanted him to go by the brook Cherith. And he says, I've commanded the widow woman there to sustain thee. There's a very specific place where God's blessing and provision was. And, and I just want you to consider, where is your there? Okay? He, he went by the king's palace, and, and just think if he had sat there in the king's palace and hung out there for a little while. He wouldn't have this account of him. Because Ahab's wife wanted that man dead. We wouldn't have the rest of the story about Elijah. If he hadn't have been obedient. Partial obedience is disobedience, folks. He said, give thee to the brook Cherith. He says, I've, commi- I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And he says there, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I've commanded the, wi- the, the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens, the unclean bird, the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. No rain. The brook dried up. You can't live but so long without water. But I, I uh, you know, I've heard people here say, you know, I, like, I can't wait to watch the movie you know, of my life and watch the movie of this count of history and, and, and just... You know, just kind of see what happened there about the people that we read about in our King James Bible. And, and I'm just, I would like to see this right here when the brook dries up and he takes that last drop of water from the brook, Cherith. And no more ravens. Friend, I'll be honest, I don't think a raven ever came back there again after that day. But again, if he would have hung out there in the palace, we never would have heard about him. If he would have stayed there where, where no water, no food was, we never would have heard about him. But there was a very specific place he wanted Elijah to be. I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. It wasn't the Squintna River. It wasn't the Unicleet River. 
it was a very, very specific place. And if you're lost here tonight, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you have to go to the place where you can be saved, just like every one of us who are saved. And that's at the foot of the cross. We understand that Jesus Christ died for you to, to pay for your sins so you wouldn't have to go to hell for eternity. There's a very specific process. I've got a, a sermon I'd love to preach tonight. God is a God of order. We don't will and deal with God. He's, he's holy, He's righteous, He's just. We hear that often from Pastor McGovern presenting the, the gospel message at the end of his sermons. Those are three things, that, attributes about God that He can't change. And He is a God of order. You're never going to change that. He said, He told us that all things be done decently and in order. He's got a very specific place that He wants each and every one of us to be. For you, it might be making a decision just to trust God. I mean, uh, hey, that, was, that was some faith on Elijah's part, that to trust God and go to the, the king and say, it's not going to rain, it's why I say it's going to rain. And then to have a dirty bird feed, feed you bread and flesh in the morning and the evening, two meals a day. He'd have to work for it. So, where does God want you to be? It might be here in a Bible college. So, if you can get along with God and just experience His provision, experience some preparation, there's some preparation time. But what for? You think, you, we, we've, we have read this passage before. We know what's next. Elijah had absolutely no clue where he was going next. Every single person, when you walk out that door, all of us, for the most part, preparing at least, go in a different direction. Go in a different destination. And it may be for a long time, it may be for a short time. You just don't know. And, and we, we can't get the end before we start. God's not going to tell you how all this is going to pan out. And it really doesn't matter, does it? Does it really matter? Can, can you come up with a better plan for your life than God does? There's absolutely no way. Absolutely no way. There are some challenges. Hey, he had some challenges. Elijah had some challenges. He absolutely did. In verse number 8, it says, And the word of the Lord came in it while he's where he's supposed to be. And, and let me say that. If you're not faithful to God's house, he, he's not going to... Right here in this pulpit, you get instructions from God's word, principles, precepts, where you can make decisions uh, uh, using wisdom. You can make godly decisions. God is a God of order. God's a God of order. There's a specific place where you have to be, though. And when he was at the brook Cherith, it says in verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Dwell there. Not pass by. He said to dwell there. He did. That's what he said. He said, Go to Zarephath. Get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. A specific place. Where is your there? Where does God want you to be? He said, I have commanded a widow woman there, emphasizing there, a very specific spot. Not the next town over, not the place that's more commodious. You remember there uh, <coughs> on the island of Crete, uh, uh, Paul told him, don't, don't leave here. Well, it's more commodious over here, we're over there. But that's not where God's protection provision was. God's got a very specific place where he wants you to be. He said, go there. And dwell there. I've commanded a woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I might drink. 
Let me drink. And, and as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and for my son, that we may eat it and die. Here's a woman that doesn't have Elijah's God as her God. She has no hope because of it. Think about that. Maybe you're lost here tonight. You don't have any hope in life. You don't see how this is going to end up. You don't see how this is going to pass. Maybe you're a Christian and God told you to do something. Maybe He gave you something that's really difficult. Or maybe a very difficult decision. And you're, you're hesitant to do that. But look, when you make a decision for God and you follow Him and obey Him, then He'll make a place of provision for you. He'll protect you. He'll absolutely do that. And if you're lost this evening, He's got a perfect plan for you. He's got a very specific place He wants you to be. I, I, I illustrated this uh, passage there in the book of Romans there for Brother Jake and Jacobs a, a few days ago that God has a very specific plan. The gifts, plural, and calling, singular, of God are without repentance. You have a specific place, a specific corner that you're supposed to carry. You absolutely do. There's a very specific place for God's provision. You know what? After you've had that provision, you've had that protection, you've had that preparation, God wants you to minister to other people. Yeah. We're saved to serve, folks. There's a very specific place for that, too. There absolutely is. Hey, you know what? I won't, I won't minister to people at more heating tomorrow. But next Sunday, when I'm not here, he won't be preaching in Stevens Village, either. There's a very specific place that God wants you to be. And there's people there out there that have absolutely no hope because your God isn't theirs. And they'll never meet Him if you don't tell Him about Him. Commanded a widow woman there to what? Not feed you a meal, sustain thee. That's kind of backwards, isn't it? It's normally the man of God or the church rather taking care of the widow woman. But here we have a widow woman go to sustain thee. Now, just think about the faith there. You, you want me to go to a... I, I, I know how widows live. Most of them live a pretty meager life. They don't have means of taking care of another person. And this widow woman has a son. And then Elijah simply had to obey and go and do what God said and go to the very specific place where he wanted to be in Zarephath. And she, was, she had zero hope because his God wasn't her God. That's your number one ministry. Outside of raising your children... I'm telling you, the greatest work that I've ever done is raising my kids. It isn't leading people to Christ in Bush, Alaska. i got news for you. You know, there's nobody going to raise my kids better than me. God gave those kids to me. God gave you your kids for a very specific purpose. How sad is it that some kids grow up in a Christian home and never understand who their parents' God is? Yeah, there's a lot of teenagers. They, they rebel. Uh, they never get saved. And here this widow woman is... I don't know how this is going to work. And Elijah said in verse 13, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. There's some testing for someone right there. She said she only had a handful left. It was enough for her and her son. And you want me to give it to you, preacher? Yeah. Absolutely. 
God is a God of order. Yeah. When you do your budget each, each month, it needs to be, your tithes needs to be first. Not the leftovers. Because the man of God's cattle and our tithes will feed his family. That's the, hey, I, I don't understand it. Maybe you have a better idea. But I can promise you this, they have a better idea if it ain't God's idea. That's how it works. That's how it works. You take care of the man of God first. And God will meet your needs. That was God's plan. And a lost woman submitted to God's plan from God's man. She did. Verse 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. She did it. Remember, now if Elijah would have stayed here, he would have lost his head. We probably would have never heard of him. And let me, let me say this point. Let me point this out, rather. This idea... If he didn't do what God told him to do, this woman over here would have eaten the last handful of meal and passed away, perished from hunger. There's people out there, their life depends on you. Their eternal life depends on you being where God wants you to be. Where is your there? A very, very specific place that God wants you to be and wants me to be. And the purpose of that is to make their God, uh, our God, their God. That's the purpose. But let's get the where down first. Where is your there? We know the what. <laughs> it's very clear. We know the what. Do you carry gospel tracts in your pocket? Are you ready? Hmm? Where is your there? If he hadn't have obeyed and left the brook Cherith whenever the water dried up and the ravens didn't come anymore and went, had to gone over here, Elijah would have starved to death. It's a very specific place that he had to go to get God's blessing and continued provision and continued protection. Where is your there? He tells her, he gives her hope. He says, For thus saith the Lord, verse 14, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And guess what? The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which is spake by Elijah. Where is your there? I would say she became a believer after she went back to that barrel and after that cruise of oil and saw that it had refilled itself. God is able. You look at your money, you think about tithing, you think about missions. I don't know how this is going to work. Well, I know the one who does know how it's going to work. Again, it ain't the how, it's the what, it's the where. Where is your there? God's got a very specific place for you. It might be taking a stand for Him. It might be getting alone with Him and dwelling by the brook chair for a little while, getting some preparation. It might be that there's somebody out there that you're supposed to witness to, someone you're supposed to minister to, a village you're supposed to take a trip to. I've seen churches where they're... They're needing to bust out the walls 
to expand, you know, more floor space for more people to come in and sit on padded pews on Sunday morning. The truth is, some of the people just need to go to the mission field. That's just the truth of it. There's a need here in our backyard. There is. There, there's a need. I don't think you can deny that. Would the Lord have you to go there? Uh, uh, you know, we were, we were talking this morning. You know, we need to look for uh, uh, how we can do it versus an excuse of how we don't have to do it. Here in America, our churches, here's what needs to happen. We need to switch this thing around. We need to change our gotas to getas. I don't got to go to the interior this weekend. I get to go to the interior this weekend. Huh? I don't got to preach in St. Mary's next Sunday. I get to preach in St. Mary's. I just made, a, uh, made aware this afternoon of a preacher friend of mine who's down his back. He can't stand up and preach. I already got ideas who's going to fill that pulpit, probably. And it's the people who have taken the stand for God and said, this was great, and got along with God and took the years to prepare in the Bible college, and this is great, and have gone out here and ministered to just one or two people and said, this is great, and they keep on going all the way to the end. And then here's why I'm, I'm on my way to the finish here. The message and the, the message. The message and the message. I'm on the way to the end. So, you know, I, I, I exercised some faith there I gave you testimony about Herb George. He was in the video tonight. I get red-eyed every time I see that old man's picture. I forgot who it was I took to Stevens Village this summer and took him out and showed him the grave there where he's buried. And outside of that grave, when the rapture happens, I don't know of a single grave in that cemetery that's going to open up besides his. I'll just be honest. I don't know. I've got my doubts. I've got my doubts. Not his, though. Here's the thing. I, I, was, I was responsible enough to do some preparation. After I'd gotten saved as a, as a little boy, I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I get some preparation. And I go to that place where there's somebody that has no hope, absolutely no hope. And I give that man the gospel. And I probably pointed out to you, Pastor, when you were over there, it's, it's where you went off in that... Uh, uh, snow there and, and got, uh, he either got stuck or almost got stuck. That's why I noticed the frostbite right in there. After I led Herb George to Christ, me and my boys, we went all the way out to the airport, the new airport that the federal government wasted millions of dollars on to put in. And I wanted to see it. I'd seen it from the AWACS flying around. And I went out there to see that. And on my way back in, Herb George had made it from his cabin and walked over there to that spot where, where you had some problems there in the snow. And he had that Mark, John, and Romans that I left him. And he's standing there in the trail and he's going through that Mark, John, and Romans with one of his buddies across the village. That guy got saved, man. He immediately had a burden for someone else and wanted to share with them what happened to him. That got me stoked, man. Where is your there? I thank the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way towards the end. Um... I don't have a death wish. Don't, don't be putting me in your crosshairs out here in the parking lot. Nothing like that. But I, I see the end. I do. And, and I want to hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, I want to hear those words. I have no desire to quit. We have a huge attrition with missionaries in Alaska. And I'll just go public with this. I'll say it like this. It's hard to stay committed to a place that you don't make home. Michael, if you don't make Unicleat home... You will stay there. Pat McCoy stayed there all those years because he made it 
home. He made it home. I never remember hearing him or his wife say, man, I long to go back home. I never heard it once. And I knew him well. Where is your there? When you've got confidence that you're exactly where God wants you to be, it's not going to bother you that it's a dirty raven feeding you the food. It's not going to bother you that it's only one person you get to preach to. When you know you're exactly where God wants you to be, you'll have the confidence that you're in His will. The rest of it works out, man. Maybe you've never been saved. Your there needs to be right here at the pulpit of invitation time. You're never going to serve the Lord until you're saved. Think about Daniel. In the, in the book of Daniel, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I believe this. There where Daniel says that he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. If Daniel hadn't made that stand, we never would have heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Read it. Read it. It was Daniel was the mentor of those three guys. If Daniel would have compromised, I don't think we'd ever heard of him. If Elijah would have compromised it anywhere along this line, we never would have heard of him. If he hadn't gone there to that widow woman for sustenance, we would have never heard of him. And here's what I mean by I'm on my way to the end. Go to 2 Kings chapter 1. Or 2, rather, chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter number 2. I missed my other Bible. 2 Kings chapter 2. You know, I... I, uh, I was talking with someone this week. My boys... My boys have so much experience at traveling in the bush... It would just make sense. It would just be logical that God would call them into ministry. And I said, okay, let him. I ain't gonna. No, that's God's job. That is. I, I told preachers, I said, I'm raising my kids to serve the Lord in full-time ministry. And if God calls them to ministry, hallelujah. But if He doesn't, they'll be the... Most Christian, most godly, best testimony of a whatever out there. I love hearing Caleb call home or text me and tell me about things that he's experiencing in the Coast Guard. That's not the military, by the way, just so y'all know. He's smarter than us, though, brother. Goodness, man, if I had to do it over again, I think I would do that. Three to five day deployments, you know. Really? Wow. But what I'm, what I'm saying here, I'm getting to the end, and here we are at the end of Elijah's ministry. And, and we understand that between, this has, got to be, this has to have been an incredible place in his life where he watched himself see the look on that widow woman's face when the, 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 the meal and, and the oil never failed. It kept refilling itself. I wonder if he faked what if he faked a stoic look like, yeah? Doesn't that happen to everybody? I mean, I remember when, when the Helms came up here on the survey trip. It, it, it was just, pause the stopwatch. I'm going to tell a story, Joshua. We were on our way to uh, 
You went to Eureka. We stopped there. We parked there for the evening. We're going to go to Rampart the next day. It was about that part of the Elliott Highway. We were going on to Manly Hot Springs. And we blew a tire on the excursion. I'm like, eh, we got another one. Put the spare on. We went on into Manly Hot Springs. Less than 50 miles later, we blew the second tire. And I'm like, I didn't let them see that look on my face. Like, I got this. Get out the mosquitoes. Oh, my word. We had a bumper crop of mosquitoes that year. I'm, I'm fired up my satellite phone. I'm going to call someone in, in Fairbanks. We only have to wait about four hours. They'll bring us a set of tires off of somebody's Ford pickup, and we'll bomb them to get us to Fairbanks. No problem. Before I can get the satellite phone to connect up, we've only seen four cars all day. Ask them if I'm telling you a lie. We've only seen four cars all day long. It's four and a half hours from Fairbanks to Manly. We've made it there. We're on our way back. We've only seen four cars. Before I got the satellite phone to connect up, a guy coming from Manly to Fairbanks with a dually pickup, empty flatbed gooseneck trailer, wants to know if we want to lift. God... You got to be where your there is, and he will make he'll make hey he'll make a way for you. We just drove that truck up on there, and we went down sitting like six feet in the air, going down the Elliott Highway. It was amazing. Wow! Don't worry about all that other stuff, man. God will meet your needs. The Slacy's laughing. They they had a recent story like that too. But I'm I'm coming into the end. You can start to watch again, Joshua. In chapter 2, verse 1, I'm going to read several verses. I'm going to read it really quickly. Um, and you'll get the point. You know, Elijah was alone all this time, right? All this time here. He's all by himself. He, he has no assistant. He has no group of friends. He doesn't have a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego cheering him on. He's by himself. And I understand, you know, he went through some discouraging times. He was hiding. Um, you know, he went through this. I understand that. But here we are. We've made it to the end. And it says, And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry, here I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. There's a, there's a committed partner right there. That's what I'm looking for in the Ramesses. I'm looking for someone to be committed to this thing. And it says there, look here, verse number 3. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou, uh, know, uh, thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. I'll give you the translation there real quick. Shut up. I know. Leave me alone. He didn't let the naysayers be a discouragement to him. My friend, if you're in the ministry very long at all right here, there's going to be some naysayers. There's going to be some people. You're, 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 kicking the, you're throwing in the towel a six-figure salary to go and preach to three people? Yeah. So? Where is your there? The sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came and, and, and tried to discourage him. And verse number four it says, And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, Terry, here I pray thee, 
The Lord has sent me to Jericho. He's given him an out. Elijah's given Elisha, hey, you don't, you don't have to go all the way if you don't want to, but the Lord sent me over here. I want to follow my pastor's leadership. When he, when he says, hey, I believe the Lord would have the church to do, hey, I believe the church is start up, I think the church needs to get involved in, I want to be there, man. I want to be there where the blessings are. I want to see the provision. I want to see the miracle. I want to see the barrel waste. I want to see the crucible on that fail. I want to see those things. And Elisha said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. It's the exact same words. He's saying, Preacher, I'm committed. I'm committed to the end. And look what happens again. The naysayers, they're there. The sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. Third time here. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee, hear, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Commitment, man. You know how many people start and don't finish? The first seven years here in Alaska as a full-time missionary, 13 died, quit, or left the field, man. Huge attrition. I don't just want to finish. I want to make sure that guy finishes. I want to make sure that that guy finishes. I want to make sure that guy stays in there. What are you going to do about that part? That's something you can do sitting here. You don't have to put your bunny boots on to do that. There are those times when a guy's out there on the ice and, and, and he's in danger trying to go help someone else. I've busted through the ice with a snow machine before. Absolutely. I'm glad people were praying for me. I'm glad people were praying for me when they saw that Facebook post, hey, pray for my husband. He's, he's uh, taking a new family out to Bush, Alaska. God sent that truck there with that empty flatbed gooseneck trailer. I know God sent that there. We've only seen four cars all day. Take a trip with me to the Yukon in the wintertime. And you'll look at that Ford excursion out there and say, that's a miracle of God as well. It's never left the road. It's never turned over. And the only two wheels that's ever been off the ground were the front ones, only for a few seconds at a time, hitting the frost heaves. Yes, it's a Ford. And it's got 289,000 miles on it. It's amazing how God's kept that truck together. I want to finish. I want to make sure these guys finish. And I believe there's some other people that God's called to follow Elijah. I think there's some Elishas out there that need to get behind these guys. They could use some help too. Hey, Michael, tell me this. All the times that you came out there to Unilacleet while Pat was there, did he say, man, I don't need you here, go home? He never said that to you one time, did he? Did Israel tell you, no, preacher, I, I don't want you to preach, so I'm going to preach? No, he wants to hear some preaching. You go out there and see Brother, Brother uh, O'Malley and Noam, and now it's Brother Ross. You go out there and see them, they, oh yeah, they, they could use some help. I bet Brother Elijah hopes no one ever comes to help him knock doors in Cordova. Now, I want the trophy all to myself. He don't think that way. But there's going to be the naysayers. And that third time there, look there in, in, uh, in verse number 3, he says, going to Jordan, as the Lord, as the Lord liveth and as I soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Verse 7, I'm sorry. And 50 men of the sons of prophets went and stood to view afar off. 
And they too stood by Jordan. Fifty naysayers. They, hey, they're going to be back here. Those naysayers will be back there. They're going to be watching. Oh yeah, they're watching. They're watching at a distance. And my friend, maybe you've never been saved. I told you, you need to make a stand for, to trust the Lord and His Word. And, and you need to go to the where God wants you to be is, is right down here. And there's going to be people that's going to be watching. Don't worry about those naysayers who are watching you get religion. It ain't religion, it's a relationship, friend. You need to be saved if you've never been saved. Those naysayers, they didn't believe the same way that Elisha did. They didn't have the same faith. They didn't have the same trust. And just the two of them there stood by Jordan. It says that Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither. So they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee. Right here. Elisha has made it all the way to the end and Elijah knows. The naysayers knew that Elijah, Elijah was about to leave. Elisha knew. Elijah knew. That's what I should do for me before I leave. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets could have had the exact same blessing if they had just got on board and been where they were supposed to be serving God and been faithful. They could have got the same blessing that Elisha got that evening. Hey, what shall I do for you? Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. In other words, if you hang out at the very end, it's going to happen. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he got discouraged and quit. That's all what it says, is it? It might be that person that you're looking to, that person that's, that's pulling you along on the trip. God might take them home one day. Are you going to keep going? Huh? Are you going to keep going? Are you going to get discouraged because so-and-so in whatever village quit? I guess I will too. Uh, Israel, Rudy, turns his back on you. Uh, are you going to quit? Are you going to leave? How many times, how many times have we seen this over and over where a missionary will go to a bush village and they'll be there for a little while and they leave because they get discouraged? It makes it so much harder for the guy coming back by. Now you've got to be there a long time to earn their respect. Seven years going to Rampart, every single month, winter and summer, for seven years before they'd let me use their community hall to preach in. They didn't trust me. Gee, I wonder why. He didn't quit. He didn't quit. And he said he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And we had also smitten the waters. They parted hither and thither. And uh, Elisha went over. 
And who's there to see him? Who does he see first? The 50 sons of the prophets. The naysayers. Man, don't worry about what your friends might say that is negative. You just make sure you're where God wants you to be. Where is your there? And you focus on that and that alone. He'll show you the what. And you know what? It was like three to four years, I think it was, that the book, uh, that, that it didn't rain there, so the, the preparation, the ministry there, the woman that was there, was less than four years, I believe, that it didn't rain, the drought. God will make it plain to you when it's time to go somewhere else. He'll make it very plain. He'll keep you awake at night. Now, I'm not advocating awake at night as in worry. But I'm talking about excitement. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've woken up in the middle of the night thinking about ministry in Bush, Alaska. Man, my heart just be fluttering. Like, man, I can't wait to see how this is going to work out. This is going to be great. Where is your there? Have you, have you trusted God and just did what He said to do? Trust Jesus for your salvation? Have you gotten alone and gotten some discipleship? Have you said, Lord, I, okay, I'll, I'll go and do what you call me to do, Lord. I'll, I'll serve in that ministry. Have you done that yet? Have you done those things? I promise you, there's a lot of people sitting here that has something to do that God wants them to do. And there's a very specific place that He wants you to do it. Absolutely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much, Lord, for being so good to us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this missions conference. It has been absolutely amazing. God, we need more people. Lord, You told us there in Matthew 9.38 to pray for laborers. Lord, I'm praying now that You'll send forth laborers. Lord, call someone here tonight, Lord, into full-time ministry, and we'll praise You for it. God, I pray, Father, that You bless each aspect of the invitation, Heavenly Father, whether it's somebody that's lost, whether it's somebody that needs encouragement, whether it's somebody that needs to submit to your will for their life. I pray that you be glorified in this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Where is your there? And once you're there, what are you doing? That was a great message to finish up the conference, Brother John. I appreciate that. In other words, you know, a verse that came to mind is he was drawing out that principle of of God's protection, His providence, and, and, and how He works in your life when you're following His will. When you're obeying simple verses like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is, was a verse in actually in 1 Corinthians. Moreover, brethren, it's required in a steward that a man be found faithful. And how that when God is directing and He gives you that measure of responsibility where you're at, you're faithful to that end. And just a, a great way to, to word that. Um, in his message, one that you can remember. So where is your there? Are you there? Are you doing the what and in the right where of the will of God? With heads bowed and eyes closed once again, we'll head into a time of invitation. Let me ask this. Is there anyone here, say, Pastor McGovern, right now I'm not even certain that I am truly converted. I do not know that I have simply placed my faith only in Christ alone. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I am not certain if I'm going to heaven, if I'm going to hell, it's been bothering me. Please, I need you to pray for me. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. If that's you, would you please just raise your hand where I can see it, please? Anybody here like that at all? I see a couple of small children. All right, Christian. As we come to the conclusion of our conference, well, what a great thought to think on tonight. Are you being fully obedient right where God has you? Father in heaven, bless his invitation, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Turn to page 494, and if you need to come and pray, you come and pray.